And wait, and wait. And baby, I'm TFC till I die. Hello and welcome back to Toronto Till I Die, the Toronto FC fan show. I'm Mike Newell. And as the offseason for Toronto FC drags on, rumors about player exits start. We've got national team stuff happening. Uh, but yes, happy TTID to you, Turts. On today's show, we'll talk about the seemingly increasing rumors that Lorenzo and Sinu might be making a move back to Europe. Uh, the Canadian men's national team is back at BMO Field uh, tomorrow. We're recording this on a Monday. Uh, they'll be back tomorrow in the second leg and a crucial one against Jamaica uh, in the in the Nations League and with a spot for Copa America on the line. We'll talk a bit about that and all the talking points there. And, of course, we will get into the burning question presented by Nextdoor. Lots to dig into with my co-host, Jeffrey P. Nesker. No Michael Singh this week. Jeff, how you doing, man? Good, good. I, I hate today. Um, today feels like the first day of winter, like the first proper day of winter. Uh, and it sucks. Um, going outside was painful. Uh, you know, yeesh, yeesh. Uh, it, it came up, you know, it's been it's been threatening for a while. And we've been lucky. We've been blessed with some some mild Novembers. But but here it comes. And, and I don't, you know, I have something going on uh, tomorrow night that precludes me from from seeing the Canadian men's national team at BMO, and I'm strangely not that bothered about it. Uh, yeah, it's going to be cold by the lake. Might be wet, mm. might be messy, might be a little bit of rain, a little bit of ice, and a little bit of slush. Um, that that might be proper BMO nights. Proper yeah, yeah. national team nights. Uh, it looks like uh, tomorrow. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's been a good uh, little weekend here. Sort of enjoying the last vestiges of a sort of a warmish fall. Uh, but you are right. Uh, winter has come to slap us in the face on the twentieth of November, which is actually pretty good considering we got to the twentieth of November. Yeah, all things considered, can't complain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, just funny enough, yesterday by my house, the Great Cup was happening here in Hamilton, so a lot of stuff sort of around uh, the park. Green Day, I could hear Green Day from my backyard. My wife and I stepped out onto the deck and listened to uh, Green Day set in the backyard. They were pretty good. They were entertaining. Um, they were, they, they were, refused to do show. the, am I just stoned lyric? Uh, I thought yeah. it was a mis like they pulled the doors, light my fire on Ed Sullivan thing. And you know, their name is Green Day. Uh, I think it's pretty well understood where the green comes from. So that yeah. sort of bit of self censorship was. That was might like, have been the CFL it, it was, too. It might have been the CFL being like, ah, oh, for sure. Know. It was some suit that said, "Don't say it." But I mean, when you book Green Day for for Christ's sakes, like. Other than that, it was all right. I thought. I thought. Uh, I thought they did okay. It was. It was nice to see their touring ensemble of the one, you know, touring session musician that's like half hidden behind the stack of amplifiers that's actually, <laughs> actually playing all the songs. You know. You know. You know. They're a journeyman casino circuit band when they when they bring out the you know the background session musicians to actually play their tunes live. So. Hey, you know what? Well. Unless that person getting some love, hopefully they get a little bit of shine uh, during a show. Um, but uh, we're going to sort of delve really quickly into Food Corner again. This is becoming like a popular mm. segment. People really look forward to it, which is kind of mm -hmm. neat and interesting. I know you had something you wanted to. Uh, oh, I got great shouts. I, 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 I usually just post the sticker from the from the takeout because by the time I'm ready to post the sticker I've already inhaled the sandwich but 
honestly. The GTA doesn't have Arby's, which sucks, but we do have Frank Rinaldi's Italian beef. Uh, if you've never had a Chicago-style Italian beef sandwich, it's exceptional. It's like roast beef au jus. Um, you can get it dry, so you know just a little bit of a taste of the au jus, like a dry martini. You can get it wet, so it you know comes with uh, with au jus on the side, or you can do it like I do it, which is to get it dipped, which is the whole sandwich goes into the au jus. Then they wrap it up and then you get it. And it's just a messy disaster, but it's so, so delicious. Sounds can't delicious. recommend it enough. Um, it's a little bit spicy, but, uh, you know, uh, maybe, uh, ask for it a little mild if you're, if you're not into the super spicy, but fair enough. Don't sounds honestly sounds delicious. It oh, it's sounds exceptional. Incredible. And they do good fries too. Their fries are pretty legit. They're like little little shoestring fries, but they've still got the so they're like New York fries meets McDonald's fries, and there's like they're like a salt lick. So yeah, you you really can't go wrong. But but you know, I wouldn't do it every yeah. day. <laughs> yeah, no. With you, sometimes you gotta do it. I don't really have a lot this week. I I just cooked and, and just made a whole bunch of stuff and left it for the week. So I just ate leftovers, mm-hmm. eating leftovers um, right now. It's winter but time, kind of nice. It is winter time. It is weird soup winter time. Um, so just uh, made a whole bunch of soup and just you know threw a bunch of stuff I had in the pantry and made a soup. So there you go. Um, that was my <laughs> boring food corner for the week. Um, mm-hmm. but let's jump into it a little bit because yeah, the chat wants to talk about it already. There. Yeah, they're, I know. I know. They're and over then, food corner. Yeah, they are over food corner. We will get into uh, this now, which is. We talked about it last week. We've talked about it for weeks on end. Are they staying? Are they going? Who? Which one of the two were going? And we kind of made some picks. But it sounds like, and I mean, look, this, these are just rumors right now. There's a lot of speculation around this. But Lorenzo Insigne has new agents again. Um, this is, I think, the third set of representation he's had in the last, like, 18 months. Um, and I think Does the second had one he's had in, more... like, four months. So, so at what point does he have more new agents than than goal actions for TFC? Are we getting <laughs> yeah. are we getting close to to that uh, that horrible statistic? More kits than yeah. wins, more more representation than goals. Um, mm, that that mm. seems to be the uh, TFC motto these days. What a but world! Yes, what a time! Yeah, mm. he is on new representation. Um, I actually looked them up, um, and, and they do actually so. Before I get into to that, I mean, it, it has sparked rumors on whether or not, again, he's looking for a new move or a move out of Toronto FC. There's rumors in Italy about Lazio. That's not necessarily new. The the, the Lazio stuff isn't new. That, that's been out there for a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I know that some stuff that was posted on Canadian Soccer Daily and on Waking the Red talked about, you know, the potential of maybe going back to Napoli. Um, I would find that pretty hard to believe considering how the De Laurentiis family were very very straightforward and when he left that like look they mm-hmm. can't pay more than maybe four million a year um so if you know if he wants to go back to Napoli I don't think he'd be getting that kind of money now like they would probably be saying like you got to make less but either way there is some smoke here in terms of a potential oh, yeah. move I don't know if it'll actually happen but it's just interesting to see that again he's changed agents once again well i mean i think it bears uh mentioning that you know uh the italian transfer rumor uh safari is one that uh that we should always take with a grain of salt uh transfer rumors are like are like uh they're just they're just replete 
in, you know, and, and Italy has to support what, like two or three daily soccer newspapers. So, you know, rumors abound, rumor mills abound. I think that's an important qualification, but you know, the proof is in the pudding. Uh, why, you know, <laughs> you don't change agents this many times, it, it, you know, without there being some kind of an ulterior motive. So, you know, I think it's, I think it's fair to assume that there's smoke here. Um, and I mean, like, honestly, the, you couldn't write this. You could, the, with the name of his new representation, uh, company, you, I couldn't write this. And if I tried to write it, I would, I would censor myself because it's too on the nose, but the name of his new agency is team you first, which is the greatest thing I've ever heard in this whole Lorenzo Insigne event. I mean, it may even better waste, man. The fact that he's now signed with team you first to get out of team all for one. It's just chef's kiss. It really, really is. Um, Great narrative. Great narrative. It's, it's a great narrative. Um, I, I, you know, we got called on it at WTR because uh, in our article, we we made mention of the fact that here, I'll just bring them up because it's funny. And I, I went to the trouble of making them. So I might as well do it. Uh, here is a side by side of Insigne. And then a few days later, uh, here he is with his new agents. And of course they're blocking the two TFC shirts on the wall. So we, we, we went for the low hanging stand, fruit. Man. Yeah. Yeah. We went, we went for the low hanging fruit at, at Wagging the red and we tried to assign it some kind of like, uh, 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 significance above and beyond the fact that bodies have to stand somewhere. And uh, we got rightly called for it, but you know, this is at least, can we have fun with this situation now? You know what I mean? Like yeah, I was sure. having fun with the fact that like, why is the parley kit up of all the kits to frame? Like he's framed the, the one made out of trash. It's just, it, you know, it, it, you're, you're looking for things to, to poke fun at now. And, and luckily there, there are more than a couple, but uh you know, Mike, I, I put the question to you. How can you ignore? How can you ignore this? You can't. Uh, yeah, you can't ignore it per se. I'm not sure how much credence I'll put into it yet. I mean, look, the, if you look at the agents that he has signed with, um, they are Spanish-based, um, deal with a lot of Spanish talent, but they also do with a lot of North American talent. They actually have, now not in football, um, their biggest sort of football uh client outside of Lorenzo Insigne is actually Alexis Puetas, who's the current female Ballon d'Or winner, um, or was uh, the former winner. They just announced a new winner um, a couple weeks ago. But um, they have a lot of NBA talent, actually, um, uh, under books. So from that perspective, mm. they do have a, a, a place in North America. Uh, but, you know, from that perspective, I, I don't think there's, you know, too much to this yet. Um, of course, the biggest thing, and we've been saying this for weeks, is that, you know, if he's going to move back to Serie A, it's really going to be about wages and whether or not he's going to be willing to take a substantial pay cut to go back to Europe. And that's a, it's a possibility, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think there's anything that is necessarily like fire yet. You don't want to ignore it, but I don't know if it's a- enough to say like there's definitely something on. I, you know, his, a lot of this will be his agents putting things out into the world and trying to manifest and make something happen, right? Um, mm. But again, it's going to be about salary and it's going to be about, you know, what did TFC want to do, right? Do do TFC want to maybe play a little bit of hardball and try to get something back in terms of, um, 
in terms of a transfer fee? Um, we don't know yet, right? So that that's that's sort of the of the other part of this that that we have to consider. I feel I feel so bad for the club, man, because like you you've constantly uh, corrected me. You know they can't say a damn thing, right? So they're consistently going to get railroaded by these rumor mills and the and the constant pressure and you know what whether it's true or not they can't say anything because they need they you know i i i hope that they're no longer holding on to the illusion that they're going to get a transfer fee or that they're going to recoup any kind of losses because i think the sooner that cleaner heads prevail on this one and the realization is made that this is a distressed asset and some of it is your fault and you don't get to win twice you don't you don't get to have your cake and eat it too um yeah, I, I, I just feel so bad for them because they, they are, you know, they're, they have to be quiet. They, they can't, they have to. And, and yeah. so they're going to be exposed to this kind of like consistent this and that and this, and, and you know, it, 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 you have to wonder how they, how they feel uh uh about the whole situation well there's know, nothing they secretly. can do about it right like if the agents mm. are putting things out into the press i, I think we have a um a picture of it um the, yeah the we do front page of italian news um and Adelo sport just basically is just saying that you know there's a possibility that he could be going to lazio um but it, that again that could be his agents putting that out there um, that could be intermediaries for Lazio putting that out there to try to make something happen between themselves and TFC. You know, that that's just stuff the club cannot control, right? And, and mm-hmm. you know, at that point, it will have to come down to obviously a formal offer or an ask from Lorenzo and his camp and his agents now saying, we do want to leave. Can you please help mm-hmm. make this happen? And at that point, you know, it, it will be interesting to see what, what happens. Because a lot of this, I, I know um, John Molinero wrote about this a little bit um, in his mailbag, just about Jason Hernandez and having to make a decision and things like that. Some of this will be in his hands. I feel a lot of this will not be in his hands and will be in Bill Manning and the in the board's hands because a lot of that money comes from the board and comes from funds that are outside of sort of the normal sure. TFC budget. So you know, they'll have to make a decision there on what they want to do. Um, and you, you, and I think rightfully have said in the past that TFC probably need to eat this one or eat a lot of this one uh, in terms yeah. of if he does decide to go. That said, that's easier said than done. I feel like you, 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 they may feel like they can get a little bit of something back. It may not be market value. It'll be nowhere near market value, but it, for the amount of outlay they've put, they got to try to get something back. Uh, and, and, and I, I and I think that that's what's hurting this this process. I really do. If I had to speculate, I would say, you know, obviously don't let him go to the first suitor where you're still holding on to a DP tag and paying his salary to not play for us. That's not viable. But there, there, you know, there has to be some middle median ground between, uh, you know, the, the this this sort of fairy tale of recouping our losses and selling him on. Uh, you know, at, at profit or at least uh, uh, with breaking even, there has to be a median, and I and I just think the sooner that that median is established, I think the the you know my mind is swimming because he left CAA Stellar, which is an agency that has a lot more power in terms of the moves that we presume he wants to get made to go to sort of a bespoke agency where he's one of the only clients you have to think the institutional knowledge with CAA stellar in terms of getting that move to Lazio or getting that move back to Napoli 
that's a much better fit, right? Which Unless leads me to, to a Spanish which, club. Yeah, you, I'll I'll tell you, and I'm just sort of parsing this out as we're talking, but you have to remember one of the things that Mike Singh reminded us of constantly was how Lorenzo's deal is 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 sort of incumbent on a lot of other moving parts, merchandising, mm-hmm. tie-ins, things like that. Could this move, and I am speculating to all heck here, but could this move maybe suggest he wants somebody better suited with more experience of these kind of multifaceted North American kind of elite tier deals to maybe help extricate himself from this deal to get out of TFC, but not ruin it with like Adidas or whatever the case may be. I mean, my, my mind is certainly spinning in that direction because if it was a simple soccer move. You'd have to assume that CAA Stellar is, 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 is the gold standard in that regard. And, and uh, this is, this is not. Yeah, it depends. I mean, in the end of the day, if if that's the case, and this is why I kind of mentioned um, his agency's uh, experience in North America, because there is experience in North America. Their top, actually, if you look at their page, the, the header of their Twitter, uh, funny enough, mm-hmm. has John Morant on it, which would ideally actually be their biggest client. Um, but he's currently laying low. Uh, right now and not able to play in the NBA until next year. Go Google John Morant if you want to learn more. <laughs> but, um, you know, from that perspective, they do a lot in terms of that social media uh, aspect, which which I don't know why that grabbed me so much. But I think mm-hmm. there's this idea that, you know, he came here with those tie-ins to his contract. And a lot of those I don't think have been fulfilled, or at least I not agree. to the level that I think that was anticipated or at least sold to him. So again, there's this this bit where, okay, we do take some fault with Lorenzo and how he's played and how he's produced, and that hasn't been quite right. But there's also fault on the end of the club where some of these things that we thought were going to, you know, in terms of the those tie-ins, haven't quite materialized the way, at least publicly, mm-hmm. um, and at least in terms of sort it's of an interesting point. to us. Yeah, that hasn't really yeah. come out that way. So, you know, look, at the end of the day, this could be a move to an agent that can help capitalize on those things. And he may stay right And that. And that might be the move is to help him capitalize more on those opportunities here in North America. But mm-hmm. look, it, again, we're wildly speculating here. We are. We There's are. Nothing. You raise an interesting point, Mike. Do you do you think it's the club's responsibility when a deal like, you know, let, let's not talk. Let's let's take Lorenzo out of the like, do you think Inter Miami is it has it has somebody uh, you know uh, uh, coordinating with Adidas that makes sure and and and, ML, and MLS season pass to make sure that Messi gets his his due his comeuppance yeah. on the basis. I think I think that's that's a Messi problem. That's not an Inter Miami problem. Right? Well, like I mean that's play, such a different. You know? that that deal is so singular in the way that it's been done. I mean the league I, essentially I think, stepped up to do yeah, that. like yes, Inter Miami granted. made the signing. But like the league really made that signing. And from that perspective, mm-hmm. that is very different than than what Lorenzo has kind of done because MLSE has done these kind of deals for other athletes and their other sport properties before. The, the yeah. most common yeah, I can right. think of is um, John Tavares for the Leafs, right? So, you know, right. from, from that perspective, I think there is a bit <clears> on the club because of the look, MLSE have that draw and have the ability, at least in this market, to and that infrastructure put them out as well. There. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but I think, you know, having those kind of agents could help. Right. In the end of the day, 
we don't really know if he's moving yet. I, I think mm-hmm. there is some smoke there. Of course, he's probably going to be looking at options, <clears throat> whether they materialize to anything solid. I mean, you also got to think, do, La- do, do Lazio or do Napoli really need him right now? Like, are, th- are those teams that really are screaming out for a Lorenzo Insigne? I don't really think so. I mean, there's probably people in this chat who know both teams a lot better than I do and probably can speak mm-hmm. to that a bit more. But if he go, is that is that a piece that those teams really need right now? And we're and not talking really about Lorenzo Napoli? Insigne coming from Napoli. Because unfortunately, right. we're talking about Lorenzo Insigne coming from TFC, a very distressed asset with a lot more question marks circling around that that uh, that uh, nexus than than there were when we pried him away from Napoli. So, you know, some of it feels like the usual agents shenanigans. Some of it feel like player shenanigans. Obviously, uh, it's no secret. Um, you know, the, the sort of situation with the club, the situation with the player, um, you know, so it's rife for this kind of speculation. I mean, here we are doing it, but at the end of the day, you know, there is, there is proof here, right? Like we, you know, there are, there is quantifiable things that we can measure this by, uh, uh, ergo, you know, third new representation in 18 months, right? I take, I take that fact a lot more to heart than, you know, any, any headline about this or that Lazio, this Lazio, that, and it runs counter to what we're hearing and what, you know, just to, just to mention the press conference that we talked about, like, like crazy people for an hour and a half last week, because we're crazy, (laughs) we're crazy people. Um, that to me suggests that what we, you know, beyond the body language, beyond the under 10 minute runtime, beyond, the you know the 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 weirdness of the entire event this suggests to me more than any of that that this player is unhappy and he's looking for a way out well um you know when you say you're 300 percent dedicated to something i usually say drop a zero and that's probably the real number but Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. you know we'll see we'll see right at the end of the day he look he's back in italy now he's taking some time the January transfer window will come up sooner than you think. Uh, and then we'll see uh, if there's solid offers, right? Because there will most likely have to be some kind of fee involved um, because he is mm-hmm. under contract, right? So, or unless TFC decide to waive it, which I think would be nuts, but we'll, we'll, hey, we'll see. Um, all right, Jeff, let's, let's move on here uh, to, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to something that's happening at BMO field, the actual football that will be played. Um, the Canadian men's national team will be playing Jamaica tomorrow at BMO field. Um, if you're listening to this on podcast, it most likely will be, uh, tonight, uh, cause you'll probably listen to this on Tuesday. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, Canada comes back after a two, one win in Kingston on Saturday. Um, uh, look at a, a, a game that was a grind. Um, they could have lost that game. I could see a world where they actually got thumped if Leon Bailey could, hit the broadside of a barn in this game. Mm. Um, and they don't lose Mikel Antonio so early because um, the pitch did him in. Um, but they grind out a, a, a good comp calf away result. It doesn't, I, I don't know if it needs to be prettier than that, but they did it and it gives them a good uh, platform to not only get into the nation's league semifinals, but also to qualify them for next year's Copa America. Um, so Jeff, I mean, just want to get sort of your thoughts on first mm-hmm. game on Saturday and then, you know, what you think might be important for this national team going into a big game tomorrow night? 
It's a huge game. I mean, it, it cannot be be understated. It's a it's a huge game. I mean, the chance to play meaningful games against some of those South American national sides cannot be undervalued. Um, it's exactly what this team needs. And, uh, you know, it, it's right there for the taking. So go get it, boys. In, term, in terms of the game on Friday slash Saturday, uh, you know, look, that pitch was an, was an atrocious mess. I mean, I don't know how it got dried that quickly, but even dry, you're talking about Bermuda grass that's barely cut. You know, it's it's a hard surface to play on. The ball does weird things. It wasn't that well-maintained of a pitch. There were divots everywhere. Um, again, I don't know where all the water went, so maybe there was like one recessed part of the pitch that was just like a, like a sinkhole of quicksand, and, and, you know, that's how everybody got injured. But like... You you saw it. I mean, Tejon miffed his chance. You saw what happened to to the Jamaican forwards. That you know that that pitch was 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 it was almost the eleventh man, uh, and and he was an asshole. <laughs> so yeah. you know, well, look, uh, I think it, yeah. Go ahead, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, no, no. Please, please interrupt me. Well, it just look the National Stadium in Kingston. I've been there. I've been in that stadium before. Um, no, the grass is not. The pitch is never perfect um at best it is passable and you can play on it at the worst of times it's a patch right but you mm. know I, I think the you know the grounds crew there did the best they could given the torrential rain i think we all saw oh social God. media posts on no, friday yeah. from canada soccer and essentially a swimming pool uh the night before to actually then play you know what 14 15 hours later and get all that water as much of that water off the pitch that said that pitch you could still see was not quite waterlogged, but it was definitely mm-hmm. impacted. And you saw players slide and huge divots, like you said. I think it did in Mikel Antonio's hamstring. Uh, yeah, possibly. At some point during, early on during that game. Uh, so, you know, it, and it affected the way Canada also played in terms of some of the balls they tried to play. Obviously, the ball just doesn't roll the way it normally would on a Yeah, yeah. Alfonso uh, was very, very frustrated. He was, he was obviously frustrated. I think a few players were from that perspective. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of understand it from that perspective. I think, though, there's a couple of questions that going into this. You know, first of all, Stephen Vittoria, love him. You know, is it time to kind of move on from him in terms of... To who? You know, look, well, that's the thing, right? And 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 that's where maybe you start looking at a Derek Cornelius, or you maybe you play somebody like a an Alistair Johnson in that third or third center back role. But you know, getting you know he's going to get done for pace a lot of the times if teams sort of do the scouting report on him. Um, we saw it yeah. in Qatar, and we saw it on Saturday. Where again, if Leon Bailey has shooting boots on, you know, you're two nil yeah. down pretty early in the game. So you know, I I, I like again. I, I understand why you have him in there. He's experienced. He's one of the few players actually with some real height on set pieces. I know a lot. That's of what I'm saying. And since it's set pieces, since yeah. we're so vulnerable to set pieces, since uh, like it, it really is a bit of kryptonite. I don't, I mean, obviously he's going to get beat for pace and, and certainly, you know, his, he's, cer- he's certainly no longer in his prime, but I, I would not want to see those aerial duels. I don't think there's anybody that comes even close to providing that kind of security from aerial balls. So at this point, it's about finding players that can insulate uh, for his weaknesses, 
which is, you know, a, a tougher ask than, you know, just throwing out the baby with the bathwater. But I don't, I don't see anybody that's, that can take that mantle yet. And until I do, I just yeah. can't see it. Yeah, it's a tough ask. I mean, right now, of course, it's not a secret, I think, to anybody that Canada, you know, doesn't have exactly the deepest pool of center backs currently. Um, so weird. Remember when all we all we did was make center backs and we had no forwards and, and like one midfielder? It's so weird how that it works. Is, well, yeah. that's, you know, that's that's sort of mm-hmm. how the development models in Canada have, have progressed over the last little bit. We're, we're making more midfielders and attackers. But look, I, I, mm-hmm. I think, you know, you don't want to play... I can understand why you don't necessarily want to play Derek Cornelius. You don't want two left-footed center backs beside each other in Kamal Miller and, and Cornelius. But, um, it, you know, if Jamaica understand the game plan, right, and the game plan is burn, say on Victoria's shoulders and burn by him and play long, and that's how yeah. Jamaica play traditionally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there, there's danger there. That said, um, I, you know, look, having having Stefan Estacchio back in the midfield was immense. You could just see immense the, the quality. You could see why he's so important to this national team. Maybe arguably more important than Alfonso Davies in some cases, and we'll get to Alfonso Davies in a second. But sure, um, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways you can definitely tell the differences in this team when Estacchio is out. Now, of course, he wasn't playing in the Japan friendly um, last month. Japan, a much different opponent than Jamaica, obviously. Um, but you see how how he can kind of put his foot on the ball and calm a game down, how he can win a ball back, how he can put players in the right position, even when he maybe not isn't playing necessarily his best game. Um, it gives you a lot more solidity, uh, in, in the midfield, especially if you're playing with somebody that's a little bit more inexperienced, like Ishmael Kone, um, mm-hmm. which they did on, on Saturday. And like this, this is a player that's growing uh, still. Um, but, you know, having a Stacchio there is, is such a key. And of course, he scores the, the crucial second goal on a great cutback um, from one Richie Larea, who, I mean, right now, it's hard to think of, of dropping Richie right now. Um, I know they're used to playing Alistair Johnson, but really, how do you kind of drop Richie in the in the form that he's in, at least with the national team? It's funny because we were just talking about how Vanny Sartini called him out for having a, a crap game on uh, Vancouver's uh, uh, exit of the playoffs. Um, it's a good problem to have. Um, you know, I was so impressed with that game. I got to be honest because I figured given the circumstances, given the quality of the the pitch, given the that the opponent on paper – you know their preferred playing style is is one that will undo us with the with our lack of speed and athleticism at the back. Um, you know the circumstances of, of of having to play the morning after you thought you were going to play. I thought, you know, there was some rust. Uh, whether that was was capital R rust or the fact that you know a lot of our players, Estacchio non included. Are, are sort of out of form right now. You know, both of our, our strikers, Laren and David, are, are having some trouble, you know, finding the net with regularity on their yeah. domestic campaigns. So I was really impressed. I thought it was cagey at the beginning. I thought um, they were trading blows. Certainly we were helped by Jamaica's injury woes. I don't think that can we, we can ignore that. You know, you take <laughs> their two, two of the paciest goal scorers off and they're going to be a bit of a lesser team. But But, you know, I was very, very impressed. And considering the negativity that's been dished out at the Canadian men's national team, you know, not, you know, 
in, in, in macro and in micro, just, you know, specific players, the team itself, the, the, the federation. I, I liked, I liked watching them ball. Um, I, before I lose it, cause I, I saved it. G money, you know, brings up Lucas McNaughton and I was about to talk you know, about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's the closest thing we have as an understudy to Vittoria, but are, would you be happy playing them together? I, uh, McNaughton and Kamal Miller, um, is sort of in no. that. Oh, Victoria and McNaughton together. No, <laughs> I Absolutely think it would be too lack of, too lack of too much lack of pace there. Um, I think it's yeah, one or the but, other, really. And are you are you ready to hand the keys to to McNaughton yet? Not particularly. Um, not to say that he isn't good. I think he can. I mean, his season with Nashville was decent, um, and I think that it will be interesting to see as he continues to grow. Though, granted, he's not exactly like the youngest guy. He's in his prime now. He's like 27, 28. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has to be from, mentioned that Vittoria is not a day in, day out starter for his current team in the. Portuguese no, he isn't either. Division. That that's that is that that is true. Um, McNaughton would be an interesting fit on the on this team. Um, you know, definitely a person as you said can win headers, can be great on set pieces. Um, as you mentioned, money, I think mentions in the chat, my question is always about his positioning, um, and, and his positional awareness on, on the mm-hmm. pitch. I think that was something that sometimes undid him at TFC. Uh, yep. it undid him sometimes at Nashville too. It actually kind of cost him in the playoffs a little bit, um, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but that said, uh, you know, in terms of your bank of available center backs, as we said, there isn't a lot of them, um, or at least a lot that you would say, okay, I'm confident you can step into an international competition and and, and do well. Um, so I, I think that that warrants some inf- a look at some point. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. right now. Um, and obviously, you know, Canada is trying to play in every FIFA window uh, going forward, leading into uh, Copa America, should they qualify. Um, so maybe mm-hmm. you see him there and maybe you see what you have in those other windows. But right now in, in one it's where you really need to win, it's too important to, to, to pull. Way too right. important. Way too important. And I think I think that's, you know, when when people were complaining about this lineup that was released for this two-legged series and saying that it was veteran heavy, I, I had to do double takes. I'm like, this is this is a consequential time. Like we yeah, need to you, put, you gotta we need to put our to best foot forward here, you yeah, know, especially no messing around. So you know, it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a, it's such a head F when you consider that we we've qualified for 2026, right? So there's like, we've been gifted run what, what should be runway to, to to do this kind of experimenting and, and, and try and like plug and play different pieces and see who works well together. But we're just not doing it, you know, now I wouldn't do it here. I think we can agree on that, but like, you're not going to experiment in the group stages of, of Copa America. Like you're, no. you, you may exchange a little, you may, you know, the friendlies that we can't book. <laughs> and like, so it's like, we're in a bit of a crunch here. Like we're, you know, we know there that there's deficiencies that have to be addressed, but all we seem to be playing are games that have too much at stake to start to usher in sort of that next wave and start playing around. I don't to say mind nothing, that, the fact that, mm-hmm. When does it happen? That, 
I, to, I, you know, I don't know, to be honest, but I, I don't mind it because I do think Canada needs to play more games of consequence, right? Like friendlies are great and, and I agree great to, to, to play them. And it's great to, to get that sort of chemistry with your teammates on a national level. But I think Canada needs to be playing more games that matter. And, and that has been the biggest problem up until, you know, essentially the run to qualify for the, the 2022 World Cup is that Canada didn't play enough games that really meant anything. There was uh, a lot more rotation. I, I remember there being a lot more squad rotation. Maybe it was just the fact that Alfonso was injured all the time and we had to ad- ad- adapt for that. But I, I remember a much larger cast of characters. In, in for, the, for the qualifiers? Not so much. I mean, you had sort of the basic squad, the basic 22, 23 guys, and then you had this sort of maybe a reserve of six to seven players that you would swap in and out, like you said, interchange based on injury or based on sort of the matchup that you're going to be running into during that qualifying window. Or, or that uh, that that international window, but really the the squad for the most part has stayed pretty consistent. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you bring up Charles and Dries Brim, and I don't know why, but um, but you know, other than that, like you, you basically have a, a set squad, and I, I think you do need to play these important games. And and yes, okay, you need to maybe chop and change out. Like I I for one, I'm ready for Milan Borian to move on. I am one. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. For Victoria to move on um but I understand why you also keep them around right like for that sort of culture piece and and for that you know being able to can have that continuity between the continuity know, yeah the continuity piece sorry you say it a lot better mm. than I do um but, but I say yeah. Lazio badly according to to the chat <laughs> I I feminized it I'll never yeah. do that again Lazio. but like yeah mm. but like from that perspective I you know I I think it you know from those positions I think you can move on other than that this team is still relatively young right like uh you you still have mm. a relatively youthful side that need to play games that matter to to really gel in those moments doesn't that I mean Aaron Aaron says it better than I did a few a few things back. You need to play games of consequence with players that will play in 2026, right? Well, that's what I mean. I yeah. don't Yeah, so but so when does that happen? Because if they're all important, you know, like it's you you just you said it yourself. I'm ready for to move on from Steven Vittoria. But not yet. Right? So when like when does that magic happen when 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 we can agree that Personally, now I think is the Copa time? America I think I think you can go into um, a Copa America without Steven Vittoria. I think you can go into a Copa America without um, Milan Borian. Look, it, it, crazy things happen, but you know I wouldn't necessarily be holding my breath on trying to win Copa America. That's mm-hmm. I don't think the point of the tournament for Canada. I think it is going in and testing yourself against uh, yep. class mm-hmm. opposition in, in South from South America. That's the point. Uh, and, you know, if you progress through the tournament, great, right? Like that, that to me is sort of the goal um, or mm. should be the goal. But the Pitchfork mob know, will come out. It, they'll, 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 if they see a lineup that's all kids at Copa America. Well, you won't you have know. all kids, right? You'll have the the bulk of the lineup that we're used to is still really young. Like if you think about it, Kyle Laren, um, Jonathan David, uh, oh, I do Alfonso think about Davies. It. Like most of those guys are, you know, or in their early to mid twenties. Some are in their later twenties, but still in their prime. 
you know, from that perspective, that's going to be the guys generally. Those are the horses that are going to take you mm -hmm. to 2026. So most of those guys are going to play. There are a few pieces that you need to swap and, and change out. And obviously the two that most people will look at is obviously Stephen Vittoria and Milan Borean in goal. But, you know, aside from that, most of the guys on this team are pretty solid and set. Right, unless something really happens to them, or their form incredibly drops off. Yeah, off um, a cliff. Yeah, right. Yeah. You, you, these are the guys. These are the horses that you expect to be there in twenty twenty six. Yeah, it just it 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 feels like it's two different teams. You know this this team of endless potential where we constantly have to pinch ourselves and say, "This kid's only twenty one years old." You know, forget about the fact that we've been enjoying. Uh, them and banking on their on their potential for years now. I mean, the reality is, is the kid is still 21 years old, 22, 23 years old. And this outgoing cadre that, you know, feels it's starting to feel a bit like Mexico, where there was no succession plan for the national team. And it just hit a wall. You know, they went from world beaters to absolute joke. Right. Like just no, didn't have the pace, didn't have the didn't have the, you know, just just beat on on all terms. And I don't want that to happen to us. So it's it, it, it feels like, you know, there it just how do you do it? How do you how do you manage the two poles of a young team that grows and who they grow with? And 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 when do you say is an enough is enough and bring in the next crop of people? Because yeah, look, it's easy when they're generational talents. Right. Yeah. They, well, they the supersede thing. everybody. You right? have it right now. Right. And and yeah. you make a very good point, Jeffrey. And, and I think um, I think G Money also makes a good point, like saying, like, maybe you try that in the semifinals of Nations League next year. The only thing is, I think Canada really wants to win Nations League. I think they I, really, I think so, really too. Want, they see that as the trophy that right now they can really win. So I actually yep. think they are going to put their best foot forward for Nations League and they're going to play the same general guys, right? Like that are going to be, again, the horses yeah. that take you to 2026 because those guys need that experience of getting the finals and winning them, um, mm -hmm. which I think is going to be tough. I'm just, I think this American team is going to be a lot better than they think. Yeah, and, and this sort of success. Like, remember when the American team was you know, Michael Bradley, Josie Altador, Clint Dempsey, like guy, you know what I mean? Like they were moving on from that generation. I, I almost want to go back and look because it felt so subtle, this sort of new U S men's national team, well, obviously no, they, on the outside looking no, they, in after Trinidad, after not qualifying for Russia mm -hmm. and Trinidad, they dropped everybody. Basically they, one minute it was a veteran team with Bruce arena. The next minute, um, they brought in Burhalter and it was all kids. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Yeah, I do. I do remember like, that. But I remember, you know, the 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 ruckus over who's their starting number nine, the ruckus over settling on a midfield because they had yeah. all different ways to play. You know, uh, uh, Greg coming to terms with the fact that maybe the, the team that he wanted them to be in his head was not quite the team that they are on on the pitch. I just I, I, I think we need to I need to I'm going to come back with an example of if I was if I was in charge of the succession plan, you know, my, my gold standard for doing it in recent uh, national team history, you know, cause I, I do think it is something that comes up often, um, especially because your national team aside from friendlies is playing meaningful games. You see it with Belgium. You saw, like I said, you saw it with Mexico. I just, I don't want to, I don't want Canada to be dealing with that when 75% of our roster are phenoms that aren't in their prime yet. I feel like that detracts from the sort of group, growth together and i i don't know the answer to it i mean maybe it is something as 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 absolute as 
thank you for your service. You know, we now have a cutoff. It's Logan's run. Like anybody under 30 can play. Anybody over 30 has to go into that the room and, and commit. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying, I, I don't know the answer, but I don't, it feels like you're, we're stuck in between. And I, it's not because we have an intern manager running it. I felt this way for a while that, that, you know, the, the, the polar opposites of win now and develop organically are, are at war with each other. And nobody really has the answer other than just sitting on their hands and hoping that it all works out. And, and I don't think that that's a benefit. I think we need to, we need to target this and, and figure it out sooner rather than later. Fair enough. Fair enough. And and maybe another thing that we may need to figure out at some point is what exactly to do with Alfonso Davies. Um, mm. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because a lot of people in Canadian soccer arena are kind of having the same discussion. I think with a little bit of overreaction to how things went. A Saturday. lot of overreaction. A lot of overreaction. <clears throat> Excuse me, but no worries. You know, look, I, I think, no, did Alfonso Davies have his best game Saturday? No. Um, was it a bad pitch and, where there's some guys in the pitch that can run as fast as Alfonso Davies. Yes. Um, I think, you know, I, I heard it somewhere that, you know, Alfonso Davies doesn't necessarily have to come out every game and be Canada's best player. Right. No, but I think he has the pressure and the sort of maybe that self inflicted pressure. Maybe that's pressure from the outside to feel like he has to be Canada's best player every time that he has to be making all the plays for the, for the, for the national team when it really, he doesn't. And in fact, Alfonso Davies is best in my opinion, when he's just being Alfonso Davies, which is, mm -hmm. you know, be impactful uh, running in from deep, you know, running at players at time, but then also knowing when to sort of dish it off. And at times it feels like he's, and I saw it a lot on Saturday where he's in two minds. It was, yep. The the rational football side of me says I should play this pass, but the be the man pressure is like I need to take these three guys on and I need to try to do something special. And I think more than where does he exactly play is to me the bigger issue than whether or not he's playing more forward or if he's playing as a left wing back and running from deep. You know, I don't know what you think about it, mm -hmm. but that's sort of just what I'm seeing right now. I mean, I, I I refuse to judge him on on this one game. He was struggling out there. The pitch was not his friend. Uh, you know it, that that kind of situation. It's it's easy to see how it started to affect his his thought process. You know, and it wasn't just do I do the be the man superhero move? Do I play hero ball or do I do you know a, a team based stuff? It was are either of those two things going to work? And when you add those you know, milliseconds of indecision, usually nothing happens. So, so, you know, uh, he gets a mulligan here in terms of the weight on his shoulders. It, I mean, yeah, of course. Um, that comes with maturity. The, the, you know, one, one of the things that I think he doesn't do enough, and I'm, I'm probably going to get blasted for this because he does it quite a bit is realize that he opens up space for other players on the pitch. And that he's his gravity can pull center backs or or fullbacks out of the game, and his speed can do that as well. Um, you know, you look at um, Richie Larea's run, where he he had the foresight. He, he had you know he, he did the shoulder check, and he had the foresight and the patience and the confidence to not lay it off early, but wait for Stacchio's late run into the box and that space to open up. 
Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it very easily could have gone wrong for him, like we saw it go wrong for for Alfonso Davies. But in this in this rare situation, it worked. As long as you're seeing that kind of play, that kind of group build that play, as long as you're seeing that, you know, e- even if you wanted to ride him for those moments where you can tell, do I want to play hero ball? Do I want to do, you know, the, the team-based build that play stuff? The fact that that decision happens, I can only take as a positive, right? Like, you know, we could have a prima donna on our hands, somebody that's not willing to play. And it was always goes for the hero moves, right? Um, but he doesn't. So we have to celebrate that. There yeah, are oftentimes, I, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you. The one thing I will say is he needs to get offset pieces. I don't think that's a new narrative. Yeah, I, I don't think that's doing him any favors yeah. at all. And I don't, I don't, I've never understood the compulsion to have your marquee player take those, those opportunities. I think they should go to the person that's most in form or, or, you know, the person that maybe drew the penalty sometimes for, for the sake of fairness. But I don't, I don't understand the logic of it. Um, but I have to own up that maybe he's lost a bit of confidence because of those misses and he keeps getting reps so that he can build, they, they think that, that will build his confidence back. Maybe, but I mean, on, on, you know, set pieces where he's swinging balls into the box from a corner or from a free kick, like the, the, the service, and it's not, this is not just a Saturday thing. This has been a thing for a bit. Uh, for a while. Hasn't been, for a while. Yeah. It hasn't, it hasn't been great. Uh, and, and in but it's only really been an issue since the world cup, since that penalty. Uh, yeah. Yes. But I, I would even say a little bit through qualifying as well. Some of the balls haven't been great. I, I think, uh, Stefan Estacchio plays a better ball. Um, you know, I think you could look at somebody like a Jonathan Sorry, who could play some of those balls when he's on the pitch, obviously. Sure. sure. Um, but you know, from, from that perspective, you know, I, I think that's one thing that the national team could take that off his plate. Like he doesn't need to be doing that. Right. You Do have to give any credence to my argument that there, that there's somebody somewhere on team psychology is like, look, the man, the player has lost a lot of confidence, especially with how it's been sort of hounded by it in the media. Let's give him his reps because if he pots one, if he if he gets one penalty kick or one unbelievable Galazzo, you know, uh, uh, free kick uh, conversion, you know, we'll get fifteen to twenty percent more Alfonso Davies. Maybe right? then we can um, quietly take him off <laughs> off off uh, dead ball duty. Maybe there but might not be, like there, this. Yeah, there, there, there maybe um, a lot of it. Sometimes I think is just like you know. Canada soccer would love for him to score all the goals and then make all the great plays. Cause they can, you know, bump up social media and all that kind of stuff. Um, because look, he's marketable and he's, he's a, you know, he's a, he's a guy people like, um, that's that cynical, but that you can't discount that either. Yeah. No. And, and I, right. I look, I'm not saying that's making Mauro Biello's decisions in terms of who's taking set pieces and stuff like that. I'm just saying that Canada soccer would prefer that. Um, mm-hmm. but that said, like, I, I do think there is a time where it's, you know, you ha- like he doesn't take any of the set pieces for Bayern, obviously, right? Like so, from from that perspective, I I think that you know you got to do what's best for the team, and what's best for the team right now is Alfonso Davies doesn't swing in free kicks, you know, into the box. Let someone else do that. In a lot of ways, I think Alfonso Davies can be more useful by not standing on all of I- those. 100 well, percent agree with you he's way more dynamic i mean g money's saying it in the box he wants oh sorry this is the wrong one now but like g money said uh i want davies in the box on free kicks and corners the dude can head the ball i'm just i'm just you know uh, brain farting out but like you know 
I do think there might be a concern that that if you take him off set plays like this, it has a negative connotation. You can't do it. You're affecting his performance on the field. Somebody somewhere is saying, "Hey, wait a second. You know, we've got to keep giving him his reps because we don't want to. We don't want to make him angry." which could speak to an imbalance of power and responsibility in the Canadian men's national team. But you have a phenom. Of course there is. Of course there is. You know, it's, I think it's insane to accept, to, to, to expect otherwise. Yeah, he, I get it. He is a phenom, but I mean, Jonathan David could easily pull the ball out of his hand and say, I'm taking this penalty, right? Like, it, or if it comes down to a penalty and I think he, no one, no one would bat an eye at it, right? Like, yeah, some people may hmm. make a thing out of it, but no one would bat an eye at Jonathan David says, yeah, you know what? I'm taking this one, right? Like, so mm-hmm. from that perspective, I think there are people there to kind of check that a little bit. I know that was a bit of a narrative during the world cup and, and that had more to do with interview stuff and, and, and so we we covered yep. it on the podcast at the time. But sure I, I really don't think Alfonso Davies is really that kind of guy. Like I, I you know, I think obviously look, and some of these guys are mm. gonna have egos. I don't think you get to the level that they are at with without one. But of course. I, I don't think at the end of the day that is really the thing. I think right now is just like look most people are going to think he's going to take the set pieces because he's arguably the best player on the team. Um, But he is the best player in a lot of things. That's not one of them. And it's okay that he's not that. It is okay. I agree with you. I agree with you. And then, and also he's better as a left wing back anyway. So, you know, that's just, that's, I think he's just more impactful that way, but that's neither here nor there. That conversation has been had a million times. Um, mm-hmm. last thing before we head into burning question, I know you and I had sort of messaged a little bit about this, about just the general t- sort of vibe of the men's national team right now in yeah. terms of in the general populace. Um, it's an old story. Everybody loves to build you up so they can knock you down, you know? And, and I think, uh, you know, is 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 the fever over the Canadian men's national team down a bit? Of course it is. I mean, we underperformed at the World Cup. Uh, we burst a lot of. Did people's... we underperform at the World Cup? Though? Well, no, but but I mean, when you're ta- when you're when you're swinging for the fences, you're not dealing with 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 the soccer hipsters and the intelligent. You're 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 casting a much wider net. And so you are speaking in in myopic absolute. So for a great for all of the new fans, you know that that don't you know? Granted, don't know enough about the game because they're new fans. It was a lot more like, well, you know, we're gonna win the World Cup and la 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 la. la. And so that that kind of, I don't want to say bandwagon, but that extra bit of of fandom has tuned out. Right, because they didn't get their 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 neat little hero narrative, and they had to deal with the hard truths of you know Canada's not a World Cup power and and et cetera et cetera all the stuff that we knew and we expected. Um, so yeah, of course it has, but it, it, does it deserve? Does the fever for Canada deserve to be at the level of naysaying that it is now? You know, this sort of bring out your dead, you know, bring out your dead kind of stuff that we're seeing on the social medias. And and reported by pundits, I absolutely think not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think well, I it's think an there... unbelievable overreaction. Sure, but I think some of it is um, self-inflicted. Some of it's not right. Like like it's self-inflicted in terms from a Canada soccer perspective, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, you have this ongoing pay dispute with the federation. You know, you have, you know, this sort of underlying tension of, you know, are the players really happy playing? I mean, they're happy to play for Canada, don't get me wrong, but Mm -hmm. like, 
are they happy with the whole situation with what's going on with Canada soccer? Are they asking for too much? Has it gone wacky? Like, are the I, inmates running the asylum at this point? I mean, I, I'm always going to be, the, and yeah, I'm always going to be an advocate for players getting money, right? Like, you know, they're mm. the ones we go watch. We're not watch. We're not going to watch the Secretary but, General of Canada Soccer do anything. Yeah, anything, but right? but also stuff costs money, right? Like true, the infrastructure true, true. and 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 all that stuff costs money, and it's and it's often unglamorous money, you know. Um, sure. you know, s- sometimes a hammer costs fifty dollars. If you're if you're the Pentagon, you know, your hammer costs fifty dollars. Whereas, you know, you could you can go to Home Depot and get one for five, right? Like sometimes that's just the tax that you pay, right? These like little hidden costs that the general populace doesn't equate because they don't live in that world, right? They're not aware that like well, LeBron, a lot of the players costs you money. They don't know what the and they don't know either, and and that's exactly you know. Right? Because and, they haven't been told, part of the like, issue, right? but it, but it would, but it would make it would, it would, it would make your, it would, your mouth, your jaw would break because your mouth would be so agape. Like some of these hidden costs, like a parking a broadcast truck at a venue overnight, or this and that and this, things that you'd imagine would be completely inconsequential, cost tens of thousands of dollars, and you're like, how did this happen? You know, yeah. so, so you know, it's 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 tough because it's being fought in the court of public opinion, you know. And I, I had, I had, I had fears about this. Like I, you know, this idea that the honeymoon's over and it just started guys. It just started. Can we, can we not? Yeah. I would say, Jeff, that like I, I don't think the the honeymoon is over in a sense that look, I think that was always going to happen, right? That happens around mm. every World Cup, and and especially here because we're not a footballing nation yet. Like, let's be real, no. like we're not no, a footballing nation yet. So from that perspective, you're always going to get the fans that are like World Cup, great. I'm in for a couple of weeks. It's great to talk about. You know, I'm of always going to check the scores. I'm going to watch all the Canada games, and when they're done, they're done. Right. And and yeah. that's natural, I think, right now. We're not there yet where the and I don't know, if, to be perfectly honest, I don't know in my lifetime if we'll ever get there. Um, and I also football, think that that may be a bit of a false equivalency. I, I think the, even in the footballing nations, there's that precipitous rise of uh, sure. uh, uh, fans that come with success and come with the big events and come with the hoopla and the and the media coverage, right? Of course, sure, but do. but that but the media coverage in other footballing nations stays pretty consistent in terms of it's it's there, it's the undercurrent is always there, whereas mm-hmm. here it just drops off a cliff, right? And and yeah. if that drops off a cliff, then the the, the general interest will die off and then you're left with us talking mm-hmm. about for but an that, hour about that's the window insigne rumors and but that's fine what i what i don't like is 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 turning that very real very very inarguable concept into this like it's over for the canadian men's national team like take oh, no. taking those extra steps going from like three to ten drives me crazy right like just because yeah. you don't care about it doesn't mean nobody cares about it and just because you know, it's it hasn't been this like sun kissed, sun dappled, you know, gold, gold, you know, gold, yellow brick rule of gold. No, no losses, only wins, you know, just vibes it doesn't mean that that we're terrible. You know, it, it it's it's measured growth. And, you know, if you had told us 
before the the magical qualifying situation that we'd be talking about this kind of negativity surrounding a team that's been to its first World Cup in thirty something years that almost won the the uh, what was it the Gold Cup final recently like that Sorry, came within League, yeah. an inch Nations League right I get them mixed up all the time I was going to say Nations League and then I corrected myself and said Gold Cup because I thought Nations League was wrong but then I screwed myself um, you know. You, you have to take a step back and go, even considering that the Federation's a mess, which is not, you know, the sole, the sole purview of Canada. It's not new news. And, and you know, the fact that uh, we're dealing with far more different problems, and they are problems when you're dealing with generational players that are, fed, you know, making big money at at their domestic clubs that, you know, the season collides with, with the Nations League season, you know, these are great problems to have. And instead of celebrating that, you know, instead of dealing with what we, the, the crap that we used to deal with now, we've, we're dealing with this, with this amazing new stress. We're not enjoying the process. And I think that, that you have to enjoy the journey and, and not, not assign these myopic labels to it, you know, just, just for the well, sake that's of social of, media in general. Yeah. Right, Jeff? Like, you're that's right, where that you're comes right. from. But I mean, I, I do think that, uh, I do think that we are kind of, I don't know if pushing the, the pushing sort of the, and us as fans, I should say, are kind of pushed mm-hmm. sort of this, like Canada needs to be at this level right now in order to move to next level. Like there's going to be, you're going to get to a level, then you may take a step back and then you might make a couple more steps forward that gets you past that level. And then that it's going to be that kind of right. It's of not going to be just straight up. That said, I do think it's okay and I do think it's it's fine to be a little bit more critical of this team and to point a little bit more fingers and try to find the, you know, or look or see some or point out, I should say, sorry, some of the flaws of this team because mm-hmm. it is a generational team right now. Is it a gold? I wouldn't call it a golden generation. I would call it like a generational team that it, that has some really, really good players on it. And mm-hmm. it's the first we've had in, well, like, Maybe ever, right? Like, Maybe no disrespect to the '86 team, no disrespect yeah. to 2000 to, the, to this degree in, but to in this modern degree. football with the yeah. tensions of yeah, yeah, absolutely, exactly. We haven't absolutely. had this, so so from that perspective, I can understand why people, you know, are are pointing some more fingers and being a little bit more, you know, trying to see under the curtain and understand what, you know, why are things not happening or why are we not winning a Nations League final? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of negativity around that Nations League final. I I, I get that. It was. Um, they came out flat. I mean, I was pretty negative about it too. Yeah, it was a difficult match to watch. I don't think that's yeah. an unreasonable thing to say, right? So, no. but I do agree with you. I think there needs to be this balance with the men's national team. I don't. And look, I I, I think some some of that some of that comes from you know people look at how does the, the men's team draw compared to the women's team, and the women's team always sells out. And the men's team, yeah. you know, in Toronto, and I don't think this game's going to be sold out tomorrow. Um, but wait, wait to, way to I, put me on blast for not being there, Mikey. Thank you very much. You, <laughs> if you could, you would have been there. I know that. So like, you know, from mm-hmm. that perspective, you know, there, there is always that, but I think they just, I, I think looking at the national team from a perspective of this is a, it's still an extremely young team from an international footballing perspective. And exactly. I think that, you know, it's way too, yeah. Well, I mean, I think 2026 is when you're rounding into most of these players starting to get into their prime, right? And and that's where, but even when you get into 2026, it, it may not turn out the way we want, right? But um, 
you know, you're, I think you're moving in the right direction. I think those steps are just going to be a lot smaller than people kind of expect them to be. Um, we say baby steps. It might be like still like mini baby crawling. crawls. You're yeah. going to yeah. fall on your side sometimes. Baby oh, yeah. get back yeah. up, crawl a little bit more, you know, you know, spit up on something, get, get up again, right? Like that's mm -hmm. where I think that's where Canada soccer in terms of the men's program is right now. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think for Canada soccer, the ride. sooner, the sooner that this, this labor dispute is ironed out, the more we can start concentrating on things that, that should be concentrated on them. Less muckraking is going to come from people uh, inclined to muckrake, but I, I really don't like the, the idea that we're just like you said, we're just coming into this and people are so quick to ascribe that it's over already. I, I find that very, very distasteful. Um, yeah. Here we go. Let's do the burning question. Let me just find that, uh, that guy again. All right. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. Mm. The burning question presented by Nextdoor. Nextdoor is the official community app of Toronto FC. It's also where you can connect with the people, local businesses uh, in your community. Download Nextdoor. Uh, find those soccer fans in your neighborhood, like on the Toronto FC fan group. Uh, we've been posting there, interacting um, all season. Even in the offseason, we're posting extended clips um, that we normally put on our Twitter. We're putting extended ones on uh, Nextdoor. So uh, you can download Nextdoor at the App Store or on nextdoor.ca and join the group. Um, and our burning question this week, um, it was interesting because, you know, what do you talk about with TFC when they're super draft season? Yeah. You super drafted up. Um, and by virtue of finishing dead last in major league soccer, uh, Toronto FC will have the number one pick in this year's super draft. And we just want to know what should TFC do with the number one pick? And a lot of different opinions here. Um, I probably got more reaction than I thought it would. Um, which yeah, no, it was really it, super, it was huge. Yeah, super draft nerdy, uh, which is kind of mm. kind of cool. Uh, but Santo from the uh, Toronto FC community group on Nextdoor just said, "Keep it, draft another Griffin Dorsey and give him a chance to play this time." Um, look, I think Griffin Dorsey hindsight is in there big time considering what he's doing with Houston. Um, we also could have had Dane St. Clair that same year. We chose Griffin Dorsey instead of Dane St. Clair. We did because that's Griffin the one Dorsey. super draft that I watched start to finish. I will never do that again, by the way. It was <laughs> it, it was I'd rather watch paint dry. That was horrific. Yeah, yeah I know. The the super yeah. draft the broadcasts are pretty hard to watch. But yeah, look, I mean, mm -hmm. in the end of the day, Griffin Dorsey was drafted in a position where we had a Sebastian Jovinko. You know, like that that was it. He was a he was a winger at the time. Um, and he was mm. never going to play. Uh, so, but completely understand it because he's absolutely killing it in Houston uh, right now. Uh, Tyler, Sensei Tyler just uh, writes in and says, uh, try and trade it for an international spot and possibly some gam. Turts also agrees. Trade it for some sweet, sweet gam or tam. That's where I would generally land on this. I don't value the super draft as much as other people and obviously some teams. Um, but we'll, we'll get into some more responses and I'll talk about that in a sec. Mm -hmm. Um, friend of the show, Rachel Dory just uh, writes in draft a good player. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's generally yep. the idea. Um, but we'll, we'll see what's out there. And then, um, uh, drifty wolf just uh, writes in and says, draft the best player we can, um, in a position where we need some depths, there'll be supplemental roster spot players. Anyway, cheap depth is always worth it. And I see some value to that. Uh, that's definitely. where I land. 
Fair enough. And, and sort of, and, and just maybe elaborate on that a little bit, Jeff, like in terms of like, you would keep the pick and, and, and definitely draft. I mean, only the only pause I get is I'm looking at uh, what, what Calcio Coolio sent us, which was a screen cap of someone's uh, uh, draft order. And there's a heck of a lot of forwards and midfielders. I think we don't see a defender until 10th on this list. So if it's that forward heavy, um, we've got enough forwards right now. So I, de- I, I definitely err on the side of, yeah, the last thing we need is another forward that's not getting any minutes on the squad. So if we can flip that that pick for GAM that we could use to target an area of deeper need, you know, maybe even get an international spot. Although I, I, I think we're overvaluing the, the, the first pick in the super draft, you know, yeah, 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 we'll trade you the super draft in Insignia and, and we'll get messy. Like it's just not happening, but like, um, yeah, I, I, you know, lo- logically I would say you get somebody in a warm body and a position of need or a position of depth at a rate that you're just not going to get on the free market. So you're fulfilling uh, a, a depth position um, and you're making a significant savings on your overall roster. But I take that back a little bit looking at this list because we don't, if, if Patty Burns is going 10th, we don't need the number one pick. So, you know, maybe, maybe leave it to the, the yeah, exactly what Turtz is saying. If you want to keep it, trade down and get some cash. I think that might be, if, if it's only going to be speculative forwards and midfielders going for the first 10 rounds, um, we don't need the first round pack uh, pick. So flip it and get your cake. I know I said you can't have your cake and eat it too, but this could be a rare occasion where we may be able to to both have a pick, get get in some cheap depth, but you know flip the first round pick because we don't need it. Yeah, I, again, I, I I would I would say that you unless you have a player that is a slam dunk. Like this is no doubt, or you have to get this player, and especially because the um, the draft is expanding in terms of the way that you can pick players now. It's not just NCAA players now; you can pick players from overseas now, and and as long as they're draft eligible, um, hmm. you can you can now pick them in the draft. Um, you can really start to go out and find players and, and maybe get them into the draft system and they're a little bit cheaper, right? From that perspective. Super cheaper, yeah. Yeah. So if you savings. if you yeah, so if you can find that player and it's a slam dunk, go for it for sure. That said, if you can get some gam or tam or a player back um that can help you, uh, then I, I also think you could do that too. And then that makes sense from a help you now perspective. Um because it, again, you know, drafting a player now and try, you know, from NCAA and watching them try to grow over the long period of time is a great idea if your time window is to do that. Yeah. If yeah. your time window it's is not to that, sank or sank Hurt, to what we've got. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And what John Herdman's kind of said is he's looking to try to hit the ground running and try to get this team back into a winning position. Mm-hmm. Not quite now, but now ish. If, if that's the case, you know, does a, a sophomore out of NCAA, um help you do that at the moment most likely especially not. when you want to play a, a, a much more physical game with emphasis on wide play yeah. like you're, yeah. you're making great points you're making yeah. great points and, and i and i think yeah. that's why you can find a, a veteran in mls that has you know that has done that or use that gam and and get an international signing if that's what you want to do um yep. but that that's essentially where i kind of land on it but look if they're going to be they, interesting 
it will be interesting because we mm. haven't had this in a while. The last time we had the number one draft pick was back in 2013 or yeah, 2013. And we, we traded it um, down <laughs> and we picked Kyle Becker, um, which no respect <laughs> to Bex. shout out Bex. But um, you know, in the end of the day, that could have been Andrew Farrell who, you know, was a long time servant in major league soccer and for a long yep. time, one of the best right backs in the league. Um, yep. So, you know, we'll see um, how, how that goes. But it, a lot of opinions on how to use this traffic. I think it could be uh, an under sort of rated tool that TFC have to to roster build, whether they choose to keep the pick or decide to. Uh, you have you have to think there's at least one one MLS front office that has targeted a diamond in the rough. Somebody that's not on anybody's radar that they want that first pick to swoop in and grab them with 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 as little fanfare as possible and that could be really valuable to one of these clubs and I would have to I would be mad at TFC if that unless they've got like you said somebody in mind that fulfills not just in, that that fulfills a need and that they think that they can they can use there's no sense in having the first pick especially if you've got MLS teams that are desperate for it you know let's let's take some of that money some of that sweet sweet gam yeah, well, uh, we'll we'll see as the weeks uh, go along about what TFC do with that pick. Um, and obviously, we'll start getting draft boards and things like that uh, from people who definitely follow more NCAA soccer than we do. Uh, so, and we'll, and uh, we'll tag in and out. Each of us will take turns watching the Super Draft because yeah, I don't exactly. think a, a human, one human cannot do it alone. And, I'm watching and the number one second and I'm bouncing um all right we'll we'll wrap it up for this week thank you so much for tuning in to another toronto till i die um the community thank you so much uh for those participating in the live chat you're awesome um those who are watch listening to us on podcast um you know you're sending in those reviews and those thumbs up so we really appreciate it keep on doing that wherever you're listening um and yeah other than that for jeffrey p nesker i'm mike newell Thanks for listening and watching. We'll see you next week. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. And wait, and wait, and baby, I'm TFC till I die.